0: So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And we're now seven races down in the Formula One calendar. We're in the second leg of our triple header going of course to the Styrian Grand Prix in Austria the first of the double header in Austria the Styrian Grand Prix taking place in Austria and of course this time next week we will be having the Austrian Grand Prix in the region of Styria confusing maybe but we're not going anywhere of course we're going to be having two races at the same venue and joining me to discuss all of the latest news roundup and the talking points going into this theory in Grand Prix is my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, how are you doing this evening? You OK? Hello,
1: everyone. Yeah, life's treating me fairly well at the moment. Can't complain. Um, well and truly caught up in the, the football hype, but also the Formula One hype. I think we've got some true battles in both sports uh, that we, uh, well, we have a lot to look forward to at the, at the moment, Adam. It's been missed. Perhaps, the, absolutely, yeah. Thing.
0: No, no, absolutely right. And... Um, I mean, of course, we've got some big news to discuss regarding, uh, if you like, COVID in that regard, in terms of the British Grand Prix. We'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, I I must say it's, um, you know, positive times. Of course, last week was a bit of a lull owing to some stuff in the news over in the UK and uh, things seem to be perking up. Of course, you've mentioned the European Championships, which we've mentioned as a footnote a few times in this podcast. For those of you that don't know, we are based in England, London, to be specific. So, of course, we do have an invested interest in the tournament as a proud Englishman, if you like. But, um, you know, it's coming home and all of that. Um, We've navigated the first part. We'll have to see how Gareth Southgate and his young Lions fare in the next round. Of course, the mighty Germans, no less. So, uh, a bit of revenge, I think, is in store for that game. For anyone who remembers the World Cup match in 2010... Uh, in South Africa, of course, remember why we're seeking revenge in that match. So, uh, But of course, yes, we'll have to wait until Tuesday to find out how we fare and if we continue in the tournament. And of course, we all know it's coming home, so of course we will. But that being said... loads of our foreign listeners and subscribers are probably unsubscribing as we speak so um (laughs) but i wouldn't blame you either but nonetheless of course let's get into the news with formula one now of course before we do this uh just want to say guys thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the channel recently of course the last couple of months have been amazing for the youtube channel but we're very much coming close to our 400 milestone so if you haven't already please please consider subscribing to the channel of course we've got more content planned for you in the near future i know we keep saying we're going to make this video we're going to make this video that is in the pipeline we haven't forgotten about it just obviously other um other occurrences in our life and other priorities have had to take precedence in this case and of course we will be focusing on the extra content very very soon i've got a few ideas got a few things in the works at the moment as we speak so it will be coming soon so do bear with us on that one but yes, please do subscribe to the channel. Help us get to 400. Of course, we'll be chasing the 500 milestone very soon. But let's get into a, a little bit of a news roundup. Now, of course, because it's a triple header, that doesn't mean that the F1 News has decided to take a back seat whilst the Grand Prix are going ahead. There is still plenty going on in the background, which of course, we need to find an opportunity to talk about. So we're going to do that in this opening part of the episode. And of course, after that, we will go ahead with the Styrian Grand Prix preview. So the first news I wanted to talk about, Corny, and we alluded on this a little bit in the last episode, our French Grand Prix review, was the changes that were reported that were going to be made to the layout of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Now, the circuit organisers have said that work is going to be commencing in the summer, so probably anytime soon if you think about it, and will be completed at the Marina Circuit just before the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix later in December this year. So that's really, really good news because I think a lot of F1 aficionados, hardcore fans will probably agree that it's a circuit that has so much going for it in terms of the venue the time of the season it is obviously what it means for the end of the season How it can be the scene for a championship finale hopefully that will be the case this season but ultimately the track does not present many opportunities to create great racing and has often been criticized for being quite boring and for a track that's had a layout that is has really restricted overtaking opportunities especially in the modern era where it's so much harder to overtake than it has been in the past that being said they have obviously the circuit organizers have listened to the fans and the experts alike wherever they may be and have agreed that changes will be made to the circuit and i'm just going to go for a few bullet points of which changes that they have described or at least in third two so far um and so in this video they have mentioned that they're going to be eliminating the chicane um at turn seven so widening the hairpin at turn seven and i think For those of you that obviously haven't seen the video, it's the area where you've got the first few corners where it's quite fast and flowing, um, that long right-hander which leads to the chicane. That chicane is going to be removed now and it's going to be a much wider turn seven which I think we agree would be a great place to overtake in. They're also now going to be removing the sharp corners at turns 11, 12, 13, and 14. It's just going to be one long bank turn, which I think as well as safety is always going to be a good thing and a great overtaking opportunity. And it's going to open up the radius at the final four corners in 17, 18, 19, and 20, that twisty tight final sector, which of course is great to watch in qualifying, but in the race, it's almost a bit like a dead rubber and there's not really much going on. So plenty of changes promised, um, Courtney, have you seen the video that they put on their social media page at Jazz Marina? What do you think of the changes they're proposing? Do you think it's going to create more overtaking opportunities? And overall, do you think it's going to create a better race?
1: Uh, what I find encouraging is that, as you've already stated, they seem to be listening, to the uh, The event organisers seem to be listening to the fans. Because I think that's been probably the biggest gripe the fans Probably have about Formula One in general right now is the modern circuits. The modern circuits tend to lack a lot of fault. Really, they just they just plonk a Formula One track in a in a country that's like recently found wealth, and then the races themselves aren't very interesting. But they seem to be listening to the fans' frustrations about the circuits, and they're making changes to make the racing more interesting. Because look. We know Formula One's very political, and that's not going to change. But as long as they make the racing more interesting, because that's what we're tuning in for. We're not tuning in to see Formula One praise countries for their wealth. We're not, we're not, we're not here to watch that. We're here to watch racing. And the fact that they're actually thinking about what's going to entertain the fans more, is very encouraging moving forward because the criticism that Formula One gets is that the event itself isn't interesting enough. And changes like this will certainly help the sport grow in the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Abu Dhabi has been the season finale for mm. well over a decade now. I think since 2010, um, it's been the final race of the season. And never in that time would I say I've seen an Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that is gone down as an absolute classic. I think the only example I can figure, well, two of them, if you like, um, were 2010 when Sebastian Vettel won the world championship. And that was more down to Fernando Alonso to being so unfortunate for Ferrari, not being able to take it. And 2016 when Nico Rosberg was obviously really put under huge pressure at the very end of the race to try and win the world championship. And of course, Lewis Hamilton quite famously trying to back his own teammate up into Vettel and Verstappen in an attempt to try and win it himself, despite Mercedes pleading with him not to do that. And, you know, that, that's all fine and well, but we obviously want to see Grand Prix races that are going to provide excitement, are going to provide opportunities for optimism, you know, places that we're actually going to look forward to watching. And I think this season, we've seen that so many venues through one way or another provide so many memorable moments, so many exciting races. We even had one at the French Grand Prix. Yeah. I mean, that just shows how well the regulation, well, say regulations, how well this season has really gone in terms of a spectacle perspective. But you feel like more is going to be needed for something like that to happen at a place like Abu Dhabi now you've mentioned Courtney that there are other circuits of course for whatever reason you know a lot of investment has been found in certain areas of the world um you know we're going to Saudi Arabia later in the year obviously we were going to have a race at Vietnam which of course hasn't gone ahead and probably won't go ahead unfortunately um we've had races at Singapore which have majority of the time have always been great races despite the limitations that are at Singapore it's proven to be one of the spectacles on the calendar now it's been so successful Bahrain another circuit that has proven to be successful on multiple layouts not necessarily the endurance car layout that took over two minutes I will put you know but the secure layout that we had you know despite being a shortened lap still proved to be a great race to watch and you know that's so important for the future of the sport, and I think we can all agree that the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix as a as a circuit is not going anywhere. There's not, not going to be definitely. plans to not go there anymore, and then all of a sudden we go back to somewhere like Suzuka, where we used to finish seasons traditionally, or Brazil, if you like, or even Adelaide for those of you that would remember that far back, or Haref, for example, you know, we're not going to be going anywhere like that anytime soon. So it's critical that changes have been made. or or will be made to this circuit. And I hope it produces the desired outcome. You know, I'm usually sceptical about these things, but you know what? Um, If they're willing to make the changes and some of the stuff that they've put down does seem like good ideas, then hopefully it will provide the desired outcome.
1: Well, yeah, because if you think of Formula One Grand as a sport, let's be honest, the majority of fans are drawn to Formula One in the first place when they catch a classic race. With plenty of overtaking... And, you know, big events with crashes and stuff like that. So, the the people that might criticise these changes that have been Formula 1 fans for a while, they might forget that we first got into Formula 1 because we, we were inspired by a good race. The sort of things that we love about Formula 1 now have developed over time. You know, you, like your favourite teams, your favourite drivers. Um, you know, when you get into the... the technical side and car development that all comes after your original attraction to the sport let's say and it all comes we could probably think of races because I know you're you've been very vocal about the first race do Watson got you into Formula One and we need to be thinking about younger fans you know the children and some people have been a little bit curious about Formula One when they, if they see a classic at Abu Dhabi that's going to bring in more fans mm. so I think these changes are very good for the sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it does for all the right reasons. And it's always good to see in F1, they're always looking for new ways to improve the spectacle of the sport and are prepared to make changes to the circuit layout in order to achieve that. Um, Yeah, you're right. I've been very vocal about my first Grand Prix I ever saw. For those of you who don't know, that was the Canadian Grand Prix in 1995. And the reason why that memory sticks to me is it was a season dominated by Michael Schumacher. Me personally, uh, looking back on his career, I think that was his best season in terms of his driving ability in the sport, although his better years did come later at Ferrari. Um, but, you know, for so many great reasons why that race was so enjoyable. But out of curiosity, Corny, I, I think we've had this discussion before in the past, but um, what's the first race that you ever watched in F1? Because I know you come into the sport a bit later than I did.
1: Yeah, it was um so I watched I watched bits and like braces here and there, but I didn't really get into Formula One massively until you're gonna hate me saying it, until I found out Schumacher was retiring. Because <laughs> around the time, because around the time Schumacher was dominating so much do you think, you know there's no point, Schumacher always gonna win. It's Rich come from a Lewis Hamilton fan. I know. So I started I started watching on the tail end of two thousand and six. So you sort of saw Fernando Alonso um yeah, coming to the fore. And good. then I, mm. chose, I, I chose a good time to come in because yeah. you had Fernando Alonso against Lewis Hamilton. Obviously, and then the British. That was easy for me as a Brit. To follow. As, as a young Brit at the time, just to say, for supporting another young Brit. And then, obviously, the, the season that went on there between him and Fernando got me absolutely hooked. And I still remember China. I still remember what happened in China as well. Oh, so
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: I got the highs and lows of being a fan of sport very quickly. And that's what really got me into it.
0: Well, that's what it is. It's always something like that that really gets you hooked on it. Um, I always remember the Japanese Grand Prix in 1998 so vividly when Schumacher was battling Hackenden, Hamil- uh, I should say, not Hamilton. Obviously, would have, Hamilton would have been about 4 I'm trying to think age-wise, it probably would have been about 13 years old, something like that. Anyway, um, but guys, let us know uh, what your first race was watching formula one and let us know in the comments why you were so interested in getting into the sport what was it about f1 that really brought you into the sport it can be a race it can be a driver could be a specific moment whatever it is that you can think of do let us know we'd love to find out and uh, well find out which one it was that made you interested in the sport that we all know and love but um on the topic of british drivers and all things that are great in british not many of them but you know still a lot of things to appreciate <laughs>
1: <laughs> you had to you had to. anyway, anyway.
0: <laughs> so, i was going to say it sooner rather than later no i'm i'm a very patriotic person for all the good things about this country although my opinions probably don't agree with many others that being said let's, let's move on to something we can agree on which is good news and that is the british grand prix has announced formally that it's been given permission by the government to have full capacity for the race weekend now of course for those of you that are in the uk I'm wondering, oh, well, we're meant to be having our, if you like, Freedom Day, as it's being touted around, on the, I think it's the 19th of July? 19th, yeah. So the British Grand Prix is of the weekend, I think just before that. I think it's like one day before that. So... It's around that ballpark time anyway, so I can imagine you'd agree that it's okay under the circumstances if we're going to allow everything to open up then. The British Grand Prix just before that, I don't think people are going to mind too much. But it's a huge, huge story and a huge success story as well because Stuart Pringle, the managing director, at silverstone was obviously speaking to sky sports on this and he said it's critically important that british fans and f1 fans alike are able to uh, turn up to the british grand prix in the hundreds of thousands which we expect to be i think over 140,000 over the course of just the race day as well um he was saying it's critical because they've relied so much on ticket revenue at the circuit for that weekend you know if we didn't have fans at this season's British Grand Prix, there's always the risk that Silverstone as a company could have gone bust. And that's a huge, that, when I first heard that, I was absolutely shocked. I didn't realise, I mean, obviously things were bad. I didn't realise it was as dire straits as that, Courtney. So, um, I mean, upon hearing this news, what are you, are, are you excited to see that we're going to have I loads was, of fans?
1: Yeah, it's, ama- it's, it's amazing. Silverstone always provides a great, great atmosphere. You know, you know, the cheers, you always have a load of fans bringing the horns along as well as a whole it's almost a carnival it's a a british style carnival but it's a Mm. carnival nonetheless um yeah it's it's brilliant and i don't know i i I just think it'd be great for for us for obviously as fans to see that after after the awful sort of 18 months that we've had for them to see that sort of that hopeful return to normality celebration and that, that sort of feeling that we get in the summer you know like the silverstone is one of the things you look along with the wimbledon final sometimes football tournaments and to get that sense of normality and having a full crowd cheering cheering on because they don't only support Lewis you'll you'll see you'll see a lot of Max Verstappen fans there as well you'll see the Brits do get behind the pretty much every driver that British fans are I'd say they're probably the least probably some of the least biased fans out there they support They support whoever they are, regardless of which country they come from. So even if Max does win that race, there will still be a great atmosphere. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very easy to look at British fans and think that we're all Lewis Hamilton fans. We're all partisan to the British drivers. And the reality is, is that we're not. If anything, we're one of the most split countries in terms of opinion on F1. I mean, for example, I'm not. I mean, yeah, of course, I'm a huge fan of what Lewis Hamilton has done in the sport. And I'm a huge fan of his in general, but I'm not a Lewis Hamilton fan or my preference would be to see a Ferrari on the podium. As much as I like to remain impartial on this podcast, I think everyone that's followed it for a while will know that my ideal F1 weekend would be the two red cars finishing first and second, then everyone else can fight amongst themselves. It really doesn't make a difference to me, but you know, there are so many different opinions like British fans. They love Williams, for example, McLaren, Red Bull, you know, even though the Verstappen Dutch domination going on at the moment at the team, it's very much uh, a huge fan base that exists in Britain. That's why a lot of the teams are based in Britain, mm-hmm. not just for the fan base, but, you know, I don't want to come across as arrogant when I say this um, or, or, you know, because F1 is a global sport and it belongs to the world, but there's something about it that when it comes to Silverstone, that it just feels like home. I know motorsport was invented in France. I'm perfectly aware of that. And it has a great rich heritage there, but F1, it just feels like it comes home. Pardoning the pun, it just feels like it comes home when it comes to Silverstone. Um, The first race, of course, ever in F1 at Silverstone back in the the years, 70 odd years ago. And of course, for the first time, you'll have 140,000 British fans watching Sir Lewis Hamilton go down the Hamilton Strait for the first time. Absolutely named after him after his success last season. So that will certainly be a sight for Lewis Hamilton to go down a corner well a straight in this case named after him at the start finish line so that would be pretty special but it's going to be so great to have British fans and F1 fans back at the British Grand Prix of course I would have loved to have gone Uh, unfortunately I've got other commitments I'm afraid and uh, but certainly Courtney you and I are going to have to go down there and do a vlog video and chat to the fans and everything else probably next season hopefully if things are much more back to normal around the world, not just in the UK as well. I think that's something some of our followers have been asking for, is for us to go to Silverstone and do some sort of vlog video or a DNF1 podcast live, if you like it, oh, Silverstone.
1: Imagine that. You get, you get all the drunks getting involved.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm counting on it.
1: We'll be a couple of the drunks.
0: D- <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to have to be, considering some of the people probably bump into. Um, I mean, do you remember, I remember watching the F1 show a few years ago and Crofty and Simon Lazenby were going through the um, the fan parks, obviously where people camp out, because at Silverstone, obviously they've got huge fields, that are 500 acres, I think the entire structure is. And there's a huge fan park, of course, where a load of fans camp out, stay out. It's kind of like Glastonbury for F1, if you like, the equivalent of. And they were looking for some Dutch fans that were Max Verstappen fans. And Crofty wanted to find someone with a Max Verstappen tattoo as part of a task here to do. And there was this guy sitting in a pool with all his uh, friends all drinking and literally pulled his shorts down to expose his bare ass in front of Crofty. And it had Max Verstappen tattoo on his ass. Of course, it was pixelated, (laughs) so we couldn't see it. I'm glad we didn't, but... Yeah, the passion of some of these F1 fans is beyond... I don't I don't know who could convince themselves to get a tattoo of a Formula One driver on their bare ass like that. I mean, for must, the rest must, of their must lives.
1: Have been, it must have been down to a bet. Must have
0: been. Well, I hope so, and probably lost a bet as well to get one yeah. done there in particular. But who knows? Um, I, I'm not sure if Max is aware of it. I mean, there's a lot of things Max's fans have made over the past, a few songs in particular that he's only been made aware of recently. Um we, we won't be one playing in particular. <laughs> We won't be playing that on here because we don't want this uh, episode to be copyrighted or anything like that. But if you do know the pit stop boys that make supermax and they want to get in touch do let us know. I'd love to have them on. Anyway, um let's get into the other little news talking about it's something I did want to n- talk about briefly and uh, according to an article that I saw on racefans um I'm trying to find it on here. Yeah, racefans.net for those of you that don't know. Um, they've mentioned an article about the FIA trying to force F1 teams to slow down their pit stops. Now, the long story short is, is that apparently the FIA have been a bit concerned that F1 teams are trying to go too fast at completing their pit stops, and as a result, is increasing the risk or the chance that the tyres aren't being fitted onto the cars properly, and of course, cause issues where the tyres fall off, and then it creates a self and, uh, health and safety issue. Now the problem is is that i read through this article and it talks a lot about red bull in particular as one of the well not one of the reasons for why they're considering this but red bull have been the fastest team at five of the seven races this season with their pit stock the fastest of which being the 2.04 seconds that sergio perez's stock was at the french grand prix um and it was about two tenths of a second faster than everyone else now they want to introduce sensors so that they can make sure that what the mechanics are doing when they make these changes is that they're doing them as a reaction, not out of anticipation when they expect to be doing a certain part of the process. In other words, not guessing. They want to make sure that they've got the tire in their hand to put the tire on. They don't want to just do it at a point where they expect it to be. And. You know, for the life of me, I, when they mention, keep mentioning Red Bull and a few of the other teams have as well, as I said, I don't know what it is. It's just quoted from the article. So I won't quote which teams that they could possibly be. It could be anybody. But I find it really strange when Red Bull is being used in this, ca- in this um, case to sort of argue a point because, Courtney, forgive, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember the last time that Red Bull did a pit stop and then their car had to pull over or retire because the wheel was about to fall off or was, or you know, it, it had fallen off and they had to pull over. I think the last time I saw Red Bull make a serious mistake with a pit stop relating to this sort of thing was back in Monaco 2016, where they forgot to bring the tyres out to put on Daniel Ricciardo's car, which cost him the race that weekend. So I don't know why they're using Red Bull in this argument.
1: I think it's probably clear that some of Red Bull's rivals... I'm going to attempt because at the end of the day, we get this in Formula One all the time, and I, if anything, Red Bull have been sort of the the biggest moaners about other teams in the few re- in recent years. But it would surprise me if certain teams that are, shall we say, compete with Red Bull, are try are try their luck to see if they can sort of slow down Red Bull in obviously, which is one less traps because with this tight championship, the the pit stops could be crucial. So at, enough, the yeah. time, at the same time, but yeah, but at the same time, one of the biggest issues I have with for Formula One as a fan is the fact that whenever a team finds a way to be exceptional, to something whether it be uh, with pit stops or whether it be with innovations. So like with the DAS system last season, for example, they they overrule it. And at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a sport where you innovate in order to be the best. And if if you don't like being beaten, you find a way to catch up and if not beat them yourself. So that should be the whole point in this sport. And we just keep on getting robbed of these of, of, of skill, great skill, great innovation, just for the sake of, of making other people happy. And it's, it's, it's just something that winds me up about Formula One a bit.
0: Yeah, it's always been a huge problem in this sport where, you know, we're surrounded by some of the most in, brilliantly intelligent uh, men and women in the entire world. And yet they come up with some of these great ideas, which are almost groundbreaking, to a degree and yet more often than not if other teams can't keep up with that for whatever reason rather than hold your hands up and say well well done guys it's fantastic they tend to spend a lot of effort just getting it outlawed and more often than not that does happen um you know das is a great example you know that the teams for feasibility wise they could prepare one and make one it would take about six months and a lot of money but they realized because the rule changes that were going to happen there's just no value in it so they just decided to get rid of it altogether. And um you know, the FIA decided to agree with that, which is disappointing. Um, And and perhaps this season it has created a scenario why Mercedes are not as dominant as they were last season. Perhaps that is one of the big mitigating factors. We won't know, but, you know, there you go. Um, But in this case, I find it ridiculous that they're thinking of introducing something like this. You know, we always, you know, something that we've marveled over the last couple of years in particular is how quick pit stops have been since they banned refueling and it's only tyre changes. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm always curious to know, how quick a pit stop is and it always plays into will they undercut this person or will they overcut them it's all that you're trying to figure in your head what's going on and then you see red bull rock up with like a 1.8 second pit stop that they did at brazil last season it was just madness um you know it's incredible speed to take four tires off a car put four tires on and it's so quick so for me i don't buy what they're trying to achieve with this i really don't i feel like it's going to take um an element out of the game that we actually enjoy it and it's just going to make it boring just for the sake of trying to level the playing field I'm sorry it's kind of like the old gamer thing where you try and taunt other people that aren't as good as you and just say well get good sorry
1: exactly spot on
0: but of course if this is going to go ahead guys I should stress this is from an article that we've seen that a few people have looked at and talked about um They are planning to potentially introduce this in August around the Hungarian Grand Prix. So we won't see it yet. But as I said, if it does go ahead, we'll probably hear more about it soon. And more people will probably be talking about it. So I'll leave that to you guys amongst yourselves to talk about for the time being. We'll just have to watch this space and see what happens. Now, of course, getting into the main talking point of the podcast today, we are going to be talking about the Styrian Grand Prix preview. So without further ado, Corny, let's get right into it. Styrian Grand Prix this weekend. Max Verstappen leads the Drivers' Championship by 12 points. So, of course, assuming Max, if he does finish behind Lewis Hamilton this weekend, will still lead the World Championship. And whilst he doesn't have a massive buffer, say 25 points plus over Lewis Hamilton, there's probably a lot of confidence that Max will take going into this race from having somewhat of a gap between himself and Lewis to a point where he feels that Lewis won't overtake him after one race.
1: I think the change that we've probably seen highlighted in France is the fact that Red Bull have the confidence when it comes to strategy. Now, that was the thing that Mercedes had going for them the most. When you have a look at Spain in particular, when the teams were close, Mercedes had the strategic advantage. Didn't quite go to plan for Mercedes. They had the poor weekend in terms of strategy. You know, like if you look at Bottas, Bottas was trying to warn them that this is a two-stop strategy and he wasn't listened to, hence the reaction that he got. And it just seems, Mercedes just don't seem to be themselves. They seem a little bit rattled mm-hmm. by the challenge um, from Red Bull. Can they turn it around? I think they can. But going into this weekend, it's, I'm, I'm quite intrigued about the weekend itself because in theory, Mercedes should be strong. Plenty of high-speed corners. But actually, traditionally, Red Bull tend to uh, have been stronger in Austria. For Stafford, that's a great races, as we know We know in um, at this circuit. So... I'm expecting another close weekend, but let's not forget there is rain forecast. So all these predictions Mm. could mean absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, um, I I was going to talk on the subject of the weather as well. uh, But since you mentioned it, I might as well. That is one thing I think that Mercedes will look forward to if it actually does come to fruition. And Of course, Red Bull in the wet weather has proved to be pretty good as well. But let's not forget This time last year, the last time we went to the Styrian Grand Prix and it rained and the way it didn't qualify, a certain Lewis Hamilton ended up producing one of the greatest qualifying laps of all time. I think you'd all agree by being 1.2 seconds faster than everybody else. Now, yes, usual caveats aside, Mercedes had a much more competitive car, at least more dominant car compared to the rest of the field than they do this season, but even still, 1.2 seconds is absolutely huge. That is the difference between you're in F1 versus you shouldn't be in this sport, that kind of margin, let alone first place to everybody else. So, you know, if it does rain in Austria this weekend, I think a lot of us will be expecting Lewis to really be on top of his game and You know, I think one thing that should be said in all of this, that despite Red Bull being so mighty and so dominant at the moment, with the exception for Monaco, I don't think you can really ask much more of Lewis Hamilton in the level that he's performing. I think he's performing to an incredibly high standard. It's just at the moment, perhaps for the first time in the last seven or eight years, he's up against the competition from another team and another driver that just have them beat all ends up in almost every way, at least what counts at the moment. That being said, you know, there's still plenty of time to go in this championship, despite the fact that Red Bull will probably feel quite confident that they could probably beat Mercedes almost any circuit, especially after what happened last weekend's French Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, Red Bull do have the advantage, but it's not a massive one. And look, this is what the fans have been hoping for, a close battle. I do expect to see a few driving masterclasses from Lewis. I think we could hopefully, fingers crossed, obviously, from my perspective, we do get that this weekend particularly if it rains um but i think i think yeah we've, we've had this whole debate over you know lewis is is it because of the car is it because of the driver and actually i think this season's proven that lewis does actually have it despite the uh, despite the car he's been let down once or twice this season by strategy but let's not forget that he, lewis could have easily won the french grand prix it's just things went wrong at the very end so i think it, i think you know i think way too early to call out Lewis in his championship i I do think Red Bull will win the constructors championship but I still think Lewis does have a good chance still winning
0: the driver's championship hmm, absolutely and of course when Lewis has made the rare and odd mistake this season nine times out of ten he's recovered from it and been able to salvage a big haul of points if not still win the race so you know there's still a long way to go in this championship I do feel that Mercedes do have to respond this weekend. I know it sounds like a bit of a repeating pattern now, which is unorthodox in this era. We've never really had that before, but it is something Mercedes need to address. I think we've always been used to this idea that Mercedes will be very respondent and be very defiant in the race that follows and say, yes, we will get this right. You know, our rivals fear us when we lose because that is when we learn the most lessons and, you know, produce at the next Grand Prix. But of course that hasn't happened in the last few races. So we really do need to hope that Mercedes for the sake of the championship can really get their act together because right now two races in a row and Red Bull's home turf, as you mentioned, Courtney, Red Bull have been very good despite not having a good car. Now that they do, you know, all signs do point at the moment towards another win for Red Bull and Max Verstappen. But of course, if we all knew that we wouldn't be interested in this sport. And if there's anyone that can overturn this, it's Lewis Hamilton in particular. Um, But moving away from the front two drivers in this championship battle, I think you and I can agree, Corny, that those two are going to be the favourites to fight Mm. for this weekend's Grand Prix. I don't expect that to be any different. Do you feel that there could be an outside influence from the other side of the garage in Perez and Valtteri Bottas? Do you feel that Perez this weekend could be, again, just as useful, just as resourceful as he has been in Baku and in France? And if so, you know where? How do you think that's going to go down for him? Do you think he's going to be a factor to win the race? Or do you feel he's going to be, once again, trying to be the supporting rear gunner for Max Verstappen?
1: Well, the likelihood is he will be the supporting driver. But I think we are going to be seeing a weekend soon where Perez could be a threat to Max. We actually saw it in Baku. I think people forget that, yeah, yes, Perez won because Verstappen went out. But Perez was sublime in Baku. And there were times where he was actually faster than Max. So there will be a, a, a race or two this season where I do expect Perez to be the faster driver, particularly on the Saturday. So I think, look, we've, we've had this Perez-Bottas. We've, we've discussed this so much, but it's an important thing that doesn't get discussed enough. Perez will probably play a bigger role in sort of, you know, holding Lewis back. Bottas has improved. Let's not forget Bottas did improve in France, but I still feel there are... Um, tensions behind the scenes just sort of holding him back a little bit. And I think there needs to be a solution to that in order to Mercedes to be more competitive in his championship.
0: Mm, no, absolutely. I think the one thing that worries me about Perez at this weekend's Grand Prix is given that Austria is so traditionally short, I mean, there are 10 corners on the map, but let's be honest, there's probably eight in truth. Um, turn two doesn't exist. And then further down, you've got, I think it's turn eight. To be honest, yeah, it's a right-hander. But if you get turn seven right, turn eight is practically straight as well. But, um, you know, that being said, it's a short lap. So if Perez doesn't hook it up in qualifying, as that's been an area that he has struggled at at most places this season compared to Max Verstappen, he may find himself in a position where he's not fighting Uh, Max Lewis and Valtteri in qualifying, he may come under pressure from the Ferraris and the McLarens behind him and even Pierre Gasly and the AlphaTauri, which of course, that has been a factor this season. So, you know, qualifying is going to be critical for Perez. Um, I I have absolute confidence that he can do the job he needs to do there, but it will make his life a lot easier if he can avoid getting bogged down behind those guys behind him, as he did in France. Because of course we saw that when he's ahead of the competition behind and he can do his job for his team, That's when he excels. And he did the same thing at Baku as well, to a degree. So, um, you know, so hopefully for his uh, sake that he's able to repeat that. We'll see how he gets on. Valtteri Bottas, as you pointed out, Corny, huge, huge weekend for him. A lot of ambiguity still existing at the moment over will he stay? Will he be let go by Mercedes? And it does seem that that is playing a huge amount on his mind at the moment. It definitely is affecting him. I think anybody can see that not everything is okay in the Bottas camp at the moment, especially in this sort of um, not necessarily traditional feud, but whatever is going on between him and his team at the moment is far from harmonious. And mm. that is not something that a driver like Bottas needs. I mean, there are only a few drivers on this grid that can sort of carry on performing to a higher standard, regardless of the environment that they find themselves in their team. Valtteri is certainly not one of them. Um, I read an interesting article, I think it was motorsport.com, that had an interview with one Pablo Montoya, the former Williams and McLaren driver, and he actually mentioned that, you know, whilst we don't know if Valtteri Bottas is going to be at Mercedes next season or it's going to be George Russell, rather than wait to the end of the season, which Total Wolf jokingly was alluding to doing, it might be better just to get it out in the open or at the very least tell Valtteri now, If you haven't already, whether he's going to be at the team next season or not, because by delaying that decision, you've got that extra thought process, that extra energy that mentally he's going to be focusing on rather than concentrating on the job at hand. And perhaps if you actually just gave him that closure now, rather than making him wait for it or worry about it, Valtteri can just get his head down and do the job that he's meant to do for Mercedes. And I think you would agree, Courtney. It's got similar hallmarks to Ferrari and Raikkonen in 2018. And I think like Kimi did, eventually after what happened in Italy, the rest of the season that followed, Valtteri, you'd expect him to do a professional job and do the job he needs to. And will probably do a better job ultimately at Mercedes, with the team obviously in return paying him back the same amount of quality and respect, to actually do the best they can to help not only Mercedes in this Constructors' Championship, but support Lewis in trying to win the driver's championship with Max, because right now Lewis is fighting two red Bulls on his own. And this doesn't seem to be a cohesion between Bottas and Mercedes to do their bit to help him as well.
1: Well, yeah, the circumstances of the championship isn't helping the situation at all. If this had happened last season when Mercedes were completely dominant, then it would have been damaging to um, obviously not only the team, but the driver's. But this championship is so close, and if if anything, Red Bull are edging it. You can't be if if you're if you're if you're in a close battle or you're struggling, prepared to your usual level, you can't afford to have other things making the situation worse. Everything else needs to be on point in order for you to be competitive. So I, I do believe that this situation is actually hindering Mercedes a lot more than people might believe.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I completely agree to that. So we'll just have to wait and see how that works out. Um, but let's move on to the best of the rest battle at the moment between McLaren and Ferrari. Now, it's a bit of an eye-opener weekend we had for Ferrari at the French Grand Prix after a very successful Baku Grand Prix, relatively speaking, and also an incredibly successful Monaco Grand Prix to a degree, but could have even been even more successful. Ferrari found themselves in a situation that, They probably anticipated to a degree, but I don't think anybody expected them to struggle as much as they did during the race, especially with the tire degradation they experienced much more severely than others. And I think it kind of exposed certain hallmarks of the car that have been almost had almost gone under the radar, given how impressive they have been in almost every other area that's relevant. And this particular area should not be understated because of course if your car's not able to hold on to its tires or at least the level of grip for longer than five laps you're gonna struggle in a race you know ferrari know better than anyone you don't win points in f1 on a saturday if they did they'd be mm-hmm. certainly doing very well in the championship but um you know the, the big problem at ferrari at the moment compared to mclaren is that race pace on the sunday where the mclaren seems to be very very mighty and I suppose going into this race Ferrari are probably hoping for better fortunes you know a good qualifying performance they'd expect to have and they probably would expect to do well here as well but do you think that's going to be the case Courtney, or do you think that they may experience more of a hangover following what we saw in France then uh, compared to what McLaren are expecting?
1: I think the, the, the thing that is telling with Ferrari this season is that probably they don't even know if they're going to be strong or struggling and the, the thing I've I've noticed with this Ferrari McLaren battle is that McLaren, particularly on a Sunday, seem to be strong wherever they go. Whereas Ferrari seem to be very dependent on the track specifics every Grand Prix. And I think Ferrari have already admitted they're already thinking about next season. So in, in my mind, the way the, with the, with the respective performances of the cars we have seeing so far, I think it's certainly um advantage for McLaren, particularly with Danny Ricciardo improving. Nothing against the two drivers that Ferrari have. I, I think their driver pairing is actually, like it's fantastic. They would do great things in a championship battle. But the way the development with the two cars, the two respective cars we're seeing right now, I think, I think the, the advantage is certainly McLaren's.
0: Hmm. It certainly looks that way, considering that we just had a few... Races where it seemed the pendulum was swinging the other way massively in favor of Ferrari, it's now seemed to have swung back quite emphatically to McLaren. And it does raise that question over how often are we going to see a performance like that from Ferrari this season? We saw something similar in Portimao where they struggled and fell down the order. Um, and we've seen at most races, if you think about it, that Ferrari have been mighty in qualifying, but they've tended to fall down the order. I think I was looking at the stats and performances of the cars and qualifying compared to the race. And I think the lead Ferrari on average is qualifying around 3.4 in terms of position out of 20 and McLaren is around about in the sixes, which is quite a difference about three places or two places, if you like on average, but um, in the race, the Ferrari on average loses two places and the lead McLaren gains two places. So they're pretty much neck and neck, but I'll be honest with you, you're much more comfortable in a better race car. And given how well, That um, Lando Norris has been, you know, being the lead McLaren, beating the lead Ferrari, which has mostly been Charles Leclerc at four out of the seven races this season. It does seem now that Daniel was getting his act together in McLaren as he did last weekend. That this is going to get even harder for Ferrari to overcome, and and we may find that unless Ferrari find a short term significant solution to their issues with tire degradation, that it could undermine all of the good things about the car because the car is very very good. And I still maintain that it's the third best car on the grid when you talk about sheer pace. But unfortunately, because of the other factors that come into play, such as tyre dagger and longevity and consistency, and of course how effective it is in, an, in a you know, in a variable number of operating windows, the McLaren does seem to have it beat in more areas than not. So it's a huge, huge um, yeah. mountain to climb.
1: Yeah, I would like to say another thing is, are Ferrari even gonna put a lot of effort into finding solutions to this problem? Because let let's go back a couple of seasons. They made it very clear the emphasis is gonna be short-term pain, long-term gain in order to get back on back on top. And I think next season's gonna be a big goal of theirs. Hence what I do believe that they're not really gonna be putting too much emphasis on this on this season's car in order to be better next season. I think Ferrari and McLaren two teams that really need to be watched next season. Mm. And that's for that reason and the promises that have been made to the Ferrari fans, I don't think they're going to put too much effort into this year's uh, this year's car anymore.
0: No, no, I agree. And um, from what I've heard from the Ferrari camp, and McLaren as well to a degree, um, that they are introducing a few more new parts Is going to be part of a... Uh, not a major upgrade but it's just stuff that's already been in the works for a while now and it's going to be probably the final round of upgrades we're going to see from both teams um in, in ferrari's case it's going to make the car faster we saw them experiment with a new front wing at france which of course wasn't related to the uh, downturn in performance if you like of the car during the race if anything it was a positive but there will be a few more bits going on that car before the season is up but as I said, it, it's going to happen probably all before the summer break. And I think after that, 100% focus is going to go on the new car. As I expect the same with a lot of teams already, McLaren as well, because, of course, the ATR rule changes are going to change based on the Constructors' Championship. So obviously that's going to mean a lot to the teams that are higher up, need to allocate more of the time they have available because there'll be less of it to use, whereas lower teams, of course, will have more room but it, they're all going to be in the same boat by that point. I'd be surprised if anybody's bringing any significant upgrades after the summer break. And if they are, they shouldn't be unless they're fighting for a world championship. Um, but that being said, um, you know, I mean, we talked about Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. I don't really think there's too much that we can say on them. I think they did the best jobs that they could to a degree. Um, Leclerc had a pretty bad race by his own admission in France. And I can agree with that. I think he just got it completely wrong where Sainz tried, but ultimately just wasn't good enough. Um, But on the subject of Daniel Ricciardo, and of course, he had a very, very good drive in France, easily the best weekend I think he's had this season. Um, How do you see him getting on this weekend, Courtney? Because this is a circuit that he's had fond memories of. I think he was the winner here last time Red Bull won at the Austrian Grand Prix back in 2017. So, how do you see this weekend going for him? Do you feel that he's going to go up a bit, he's going to be a bit better than he was in France, maybe challenge? lando norris this weekend or do you feel that it's still part of the learning process and perhaps we shouldn't get too carried away in terms of daniel's progress in this car because it's not an easy car to get on top of
1: exactly um i don't i wouldn't be surprised if he was to struggle in comparison to last week given that it is a slow is a slow process I expect him to be. So I expect him to be a solid driver again, though, because he was always. He's always a, a, a kind of driver that his team could rely on. I'm expecting him to be a solid driver at least, but I'm not expecting him to be challenging Lando. But if he was, it wouldn't be the, the biggest surprise in the world. But I think he's focusing on being a solid driver for the team, and then in the coming races, he'll probably be able to challenge um, challenge Lando Norris.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I know a friend of mine is hoping that Daniel will continue to uh, progress and do well. I'm sure she'll be very interested in keeping on his progress, probably a bit too interested if you ask me. But that's, you know, we've all got our favourites. Um, let's move on to the next cohort of teams, if you like, the next cluster, the Aston Martins, Alpines and the Alpha Tauris this weekend. Um, going on to Alpine, Fernando Alonso, we were very surprised and you know, delighted to see that he makes such significant progress at the French Grand Prix. He was very much in the fight, and you would argue that if the Alpine had a bit more grunt to it, could have been more of a threat to the McLarens than he actually was. But um, how do you expect this weekend to go to Fernando? Because he's been here a lot, obviously very successful here in his Renault days. And um, given that this lap is such a short lap, this could be a weekend where Fernando could Challenge to be one of the best guys in the midfield this weekend as he was in France?
1: Well, the name alone, he, he, he's definitely capable of doing it. The car has improved. I think he's, he's another driver that's getting a lot more comfortable with the car. He's got the experience in order to get it where it needs to be. It's just going to be very, very tight. I think, I still think Pierre Gasly is the star of that cluster of drivers. I think he's been exceptional. But Fernando Alonso, we we know how good that guy is on his day. If if anyone can do it, it's him. But I just I do expect that battle around there to be very tight.
0: Yeah, I mean it could be one of those weekends where you know so much could happen from any one of those three teams. I mean, Aston Martin certainly can't be discounted, and at a circuit like here, this could be a weekend where they might actually fancy themselves a bit more with less corners to worry about, and of those are there, the high speed corners might suit their car a bit better. So they seem to be quietly going about their business and getting better week in, week out. So, you know, especially Sebastian Vettel, the way that he's been driving, I think he's going to be a big factor once again. He does like it around this circuit. So there's certainly a lot of optimism around the Aston Martin team at the moment. Um, Esteban Ocon definitely needs to return to form. Um, just thinking of recent memory on his results, it, it's not exactly been the happiest of hunting grounds for him. Um, But he's certainly more than good enough to make that right. As I said, there's a good case for a lot of guys around this circuit. He's certainly one of them. Um, How do you think he'll respond this weekend, Courtney? Not just to the disappointment at his home race, but also the sudden rise of his teammate and the rise of the competition in Aston Martin in particular.
1: I reckon he had a little bit of a hangover after partying because he got his new contract. I reckon (laughs) that's what it was. Um, His form overall this season has been much better like better than most of us expected to be fair to the guy. Again, he can turn it around. But I think the likes of Alonso and Gasly are gonna be too good for him. So he just I think this would be the type of weekend where he just needs a solid weekend. Don't get yourself into any trouble. And it's because he has to, he has to form. So he can do it. But I I expect the likes of Fernando Alonso and Pierre Gasly to have the advantage over him.
0: Mm. and let's not forget lance Stroll as well you know stroll's been very good round here last season he was going very well in the racing point until he had uh, mechanical issues in the racing point which let him down um of course he was very much involved with that battle with uh, lando norris at the austrian grand prix and of course sergio perez when he was in the racing point if we had that damage that uh literally went all the way hopefully for lance he won't be trying to be as bold with his overtaking into turn free as he was when he was a bit overzealous I think is the right way of putting it against Lando. Um, perhaps it'd be a bit more calmer, but it's certainly a track Lance does enjoy. So hopefully he goes well here. Um, Pierre Gasly. I don't think there's much more we need to say about Pierre Gasly we haven't already done. I think one thing I will ask Courtney is given how good Gasly is driving in that Alpha Tower at the moment, could you see him potentially challenging McLaren and Ferrari for best of the rest overall? Because he seems to be another driver who qualifies very well, but the performance of that car just doesn't allow him to sustain that on the Sunday.
1: Oh yeah, he's, as I said, he's been, he's been sublime this season. Really, really impressive. Following on from last season, we had his moments. And let's not forget this rain. The, the rain is going to play a part. And Pierre Gasly has been a specialist in getting great results in chaotic races. So I think Pierre Gasly might be one of the guys to keep an eye on this weekend.
0: Let's mm, hope so. Yeah, the wet weather is certainly going to be a factor as well. We should not ignore that. Um, Yuki Tsunoda. Uh, it seems to be one step forward with him and two steps back, although we should give him credit where credit's due, being a rookie and, that you know, he has got the performance. I think we're both big fans of Yuki and it's going to be an interesting weekend to see how he gets on because this is certainly a circuit that you can't really afford to make mistakes because you don't really have much time or much opportunity around the rest of the circuit to make up for that if you lose time around here. So um, how do you see Yuki getting on this weekend, Courtney? Do you think he can get himself back up amongst the points as he did in Baku or do you feel that this is a circuit that requires him to be faultless and rarely this season he hasn't really been that way?
1: I think Kuki Tsunoda is one of the drivers that's under a lot of pressure at the moment. Um, two reasons. First of all, obviously his teammates are doing so well and obviously for any, for any driver, if your teammates doing a lot better than you, it doesn't look good. And also, he had such an interesting start to his 4-1 career that there was a lot of hype surrounding him. So, the, in a strange way, the hype is kind of putting pressure on him because the fan base expects more from him. He's just, he's just going through. It's been a few races now. We have struggled a bit. And he just needs to get himself back on track, no pun intended, and get himself up there because you seen what Pierre Gasly is um, able to do. So, he can't be blaming the car for it because the car's pretty solid this season.
0: Hmm. It is a very all-round good mm. car, um, perhaps not as good as we thought it was going to be. But in certainly Pierre's hands, he certainly do it. It's a very quick car in his hands, and Yuki, on occasion, has been able to you know exert that kind of performance. But it's just not been consistent enough. So hopefully for Yuki, if he can cut out the small errors, and there are only small errors. But unfortunately, Formula One, you do pay a big price regardless of your error, whether they be small or big um hopefully he can just put together a error-free weekend and see how that goes for him maybe he will get some points um a, a team that could challenge for points at any circuit this season you know we'd have to wait and see how that transpires alfa romeo there's not a lot to say on alfa romeo they're the team that's probably been given the least coverage of anybody this season for one reason or another despite the fact it's one of the best looking cars on the grid um, I'm just going to ask you the question on them, Courtney, do you see Alfa Romeo potentially getting a point this weekend? Or do you feel that they just don't have the speed in this car to challenge the likes of Aston Martin, Alpine, Alpha McLaren and Ferrari
1: on the dry weekend? I'd say no, but that might not be the case. I, I think if, if it rains, I think there are one or two drivers out there. I'm um, a fingers crossed for another one. We are about to mention. Hmm. This could be an opportunity for some of the drivers to make
0: a name for themselves. One way or another, one thing I've lo- one thing I've enjoyed watching about Alfa Romeo this season, both their drivers, is that they've been very, very good at picking up the pieces where others have made mistakes. I'm thinking Monaco and Imola in particular. You know, some crazy moments we had in those races, and they were there or thereabouts. Even in Baku, they very nearly got into the points despite everything that was going on. So. You know, if something does happen in this race and it's all a bit mad, and something does exciting happens, don't be surprised to see them in that battle. They do end up there more often than not. So, I think they're doing a good job. Both of those guys. I think ultimately that car just isn't anywhere near good enough. Unfortunately, it's in its own sure. sort of little league. It's not good enough to be in the midfield, but it's um, it's certainly a lot better than the two teams behind it. They always seem to light up the timing sheets on Friday, but I think everyone knows now that. Alfa Mayo tend to run lighter than anybody else and tend to turn up the Ferrari engine a bit more. Go for the headline times, if you like, but it's certainly not. It doesn't transpire into the performance on a Sunday, unfortunately for them. Um, so Williams, George Russell, Nicholas Satifi. We always tease this idea that George Russell could potentially get points. And I don't think we're going to change our stance on this one. There's always a chance. But after a very, very good performance in France, where he put together arguably his best performance at Williams finishing in 12th. If he can perform like that again this weekend, do you feel that George could potentially fancy getting a point at long last? Do you think that is he's due this track? Maybe more so than the others?
1: Yeah, it's, you can tell by my body language. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm stressed for him because he's capable of doing it. It's, it's, the gods have always seemed to go against him. You know, it's it's such a shame because he, 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 I do think he's a great driver. But with the rain, he just needs a clean race. Like, when, when, you're, when it's raining, he just said than done for obvious reasons. Have a clean race, George, and I reckon he can do it. I really do think he can do it because I, re- I reckon with, with some of the battles we're already seeing, throw rain into the mix. I think we could be seeing a few drivers
0: going off. Hmm, maybe. You might get a bit more luck around this circuit because – Everyone was bulletproof at the French Grand Prix. So much runoff area yeah. all over the track. Um, they won't get that luxury here in Austria. So I'd be very surprised if everybody finished the race. I mean, last year's Syrian Grand Prix, we lost both Ferraris at turn three when uh, Charles Leclerc ended up driving into the back of Sebastian Vettel's Ferrari, being a bit overzealous with his overtaking. So of course, you never, ever know it could go George's way. And at a track like Austria, Courtney, because it's so short, And the way that it's designed, there's less room, you know, when things do go wrong, of course, it's so hard to make it back. But there is less for the car to go wrong. at. And the Williams car this season, we've talked about peaky downforce more than I care to admit. But at the same time, there's less areas of that track for that car to be exposed in the slow corners. So it could be a track more than others that Williams might find the deficit of performance compared to the others isn't so great as it has been.
1: Fingers crossed because it's it, the guy's been overdue this, this point for Williams for a very long time. And, you know, the performance that he, that he put in in France should be very encouraging for him.
0: Yeah, let's hope for the best day. But then um, Latifi, of course, you know, Latifi in the races, he seems to be quite quiet and he finishes. I mean, he's obviously not as quick as George, but he does do a decent job in the race as best as he can. Uh, it's hard to gauge where his level actually yeah, is at, at the moment until that car's better. I don't think we're going to know, although he certainly will have the time a driver of his back in, and I think he's good enough to be in the sport, but there's always that risk that there are going to be other drivers in junior categories gunning for his seat, the likes of um, Jack Aitken, Dan Tickton, both in the Williams Academy, looking at that seat potentially for the future. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe next season, we'll have to see how it goes for them in the F2 Championship, particularly Dan Tickton, who's doing quite a good job at the moment. Um, Let's talk about Huss to round this all off. Are we expecting... Any miracles from this team because it seems like Mick Schumacher gave them their highlight moment, finishing 13th in Azerbaijan, and then miraculously it goes away for them as George Russell counters with the 12th for Williams at the very next race. Is there any chance that Haas could respond and get 11th, or dare I say, even a championship point?
1: Either thought, right? Could you imagine if if it rains, we have a kartic race, and Nikita Mazepin gets his first. Um, Point for Haas before George Russell gets his for Williams. I think the F1 fan base should have a meltdown.
0: I mean, we should always give credit where credit is due. And I suppose if Nikita Mazepin does somehow manage to get a point in Formula One, um, we will have to praise it uh, under the circumstances. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine how that would how that would happen let alone what the reaction would be <laughs> um that w- it would certainly be an interesting race whatever happens yeah. if Nikita does get a point how that would happen I don't know but um you know what I'd have to you know bring whatever race on that he does because it's certainly going to be a fun one to watch and then you see him in there and then some people would be like ah hmm. can we go back to <laughs> hey, it now? would
1: there'd be meltdowns there'd be meltdowns left right and centre.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, let's not excuse what he did and his attitude towards the whole thing. It was disgusting behaviour. And until such a time is where he's actually remorseful for his actions and learns for them and becomes a better person, whenever that may be. Not that I know him personally. Um, it would just You know, you have to review them. But, uh, you know, you've got to review things as they are now as a driver. He's in Formula One. He's doing what he's doing as a driver. And you have to judge him on that. He is improving as a driver. Um the battle is always going to be against Mick Schumacher at the moment, but we'll just have to wait and see. Who knows? Um, on the subject of Mick, though, as I said last week, I think Mick needs to try and find ways to sort of calm things down and try and cut out the crashes, because he does seem to be making quite a lot of them, and I think because it's Mick Schumacher, it's gone under the radar a little bit. Um, if it was Mazepin, we'd be talking about it. as like, We'd dedicate a whole episode to a collage of crashes from um, Nikita Mazepin. Um, but for Mick Schumacher, obviously, it's another weekend where he's had fond memories here. He's won a few races in F3 at uh, Austria. He won the Formula 3 Championship. Well, Formula Three, it was GP3 Europe Championship at the time. Um, and he's had good performances here in F2 as well. So this is going to be a circuit that I think Mick will want to do well at. Interestingly enough, Courtney, this time last year, Mick, when he was in the F2 race, was running, I think it was second at the time. And the fire extinguisher went off inside his Prima which is an automatic disqualification. If you finish without one, you have to retire. So I'm sure Mick will be hoping for much better luck this weekend than that one. Um, Interestingly enough, he did, um, uh, he was, there was a video going around the internet of him with Sebastian Vettel looking at his seat inside the house and he was asking him some questions. Turned out that was because he sits a bit crooked, how he would like to in the car. And this is something he's had a long time. It's not just a new thing. He's had it since the junior formula categories. And um, he was just asking Seb for some advice about how to get it fixed in his seat because you can't just turn it with a brand new seat. You need to get it fitted and made up and everything. Seb just said, just break the seat and they'll bring you a new one. But um I don't think that's going to Maybe be, that's what he's trying uh,
1: to do. Maybe that's what he's trying to do when it's those crashes.
0: Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't advise it at all, but... um Yeah, it's just a really interesting story. Apparently, Mick says it has nothing to do with how his mistakes or the performances. But um, I'm just hoping this weekend Mick stays error free. You don't see him spinning around in practice or having a crash in qualifying because a Q2 appearance is a Q2 appearance. But you want to see tangible signs of progress, not ones we say, oh, yeah, he got into Q2, but he did cause a red flag. So, you know, take one way or the other. Um, But We'll have to wait and see what you can do you know this crazy weekend it could be maybe who knows um before we wrap this up corny let's round this up as we always do let's go with our predictions for this one
1: um let's do wet and dry scenario
0: oh okay um we're gonna go this dry no 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 no,
1: dry yeah uh, dry so so we're answering who's gonna finish in the top three in dry conditions yeah
0: I think let's just go to the top three anyway. Let's not worry about whether it's going to okay. rain. Because we've okay. seen before, it rains, at race or say it's going to rain, and then it's bone dry the whole weekend. Or if it does rain, it doesn't come to after the race. So, this just regular top three.
1: Okay, I'm going to be a bore and go with the traditional three that I'll go with, which is, been there or thereabouts. Stafford first, Lewis second, Perez third.
0: I... Uh... I mean, I've built up a reputation on this show as being the jinx for whichever driver I decide to pick to win. Um, And again, it was proven last weekend. I tried to play it smart and tried to give Lewis the benefit of the doubt and then he ended up losing the race. So um, against what I predicted, I really thought Lewis was going to win last week. So imagine my shock when two laps before the end that Verstappen took the win from him. But no, um, I think given the form of the team and his own personal form at the moment and how good they usually are around the circuit. As much as I'd like to say, I think Mercedes and Hamilton will win. I'm going to go with Max this weekend. I just think that right now he is the man to beat and everything is going well for him. And I just see that continuing. I think it's going to be a close race. I think Lewis is going to fight him all the way, but I think he's going to come up short just about. Um, So I have to wait and see if that one comes true. My odds are not favorable on that. And third place, I'm going to go with Lando Norris. I think this is a track right. that could bridge the gap between those top teams and the midfield teams to a degree. And Lando got a podium here last season in the Austrian race and he drove very well in the Styrian race. So same venue. I'm expecting Scenario 7 to make an appearance once again. And yeah, Lando to get a podium once again.
1: Were you complaining about that.
0: No, nope, absolutely not. Um, who are we predicting for pole position?
1: Oh, it's going to be Max. He, oh, he, mm. The Red Bull seems to have a particular advantage on a Saturday.
0: I'm still, I'm going to go with Lewis for pole. Um, I just think he he loves it around here. He loves a good pole position around here. And as I said, if it rains, you can't ignore that time he did last season at the same race. And, you know, despite the changes in performance to the cars and the drivers, that is still a huge goal to overturn. Um, We'll have to wait and see. What's your bold prediction for this weekend? Um, You know, something crazy that could happen in this race or perhaps someone finishing in the points that doesn't normally finish there.
1: Well, obviously, I'd like to say George Russell in the points. Um, I think Pierre Gasly. I, I feel that Pierre Gasly could do something special this weekend.
0: Okay, um, I am. I'm going to be boring. I'm going to go with George Russell to get a point. I just think, you know, it could be his time. I say this a lot of weekends. It's bound to come true at some Every point.
1: Every weekend we say it. <laughs> it's
0: bound to come true at some point. Honestly, like there's some really, I, I was on a podcast the other day. Um, Tom Horrocks, who was on our show the other week, uh, yeah, does a monthly yeah. podcast. On it, he had this um, uh, this wheel, like the Wheel of Fortune, and it had all the driver's names on it. And basically what was, you, you spin the wheel and then whoever's name it lands on, you have to give a prediction of what position. I've got Hamilton for that when i did the um steering preview and i said p2 i just thought well this is easy give me another name something a bit more challenging so i thought that was quite fun don't worry tom we're not gonna steal that that's your <laughs> idea um, um i mean it is it did look quite cool but if you haven't checked his podcast out i was on there last week um to do a steering preview and a french review of course um so definitely check that out and uh yeah so i think all this stuff to say, guys, really. Thanks, Courtney, for coming on, of course, with me.
1: Well, you know, I love coming on here and talking all things F one with you, mate.
0: Always a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but let us know, guys, let us know who you think is going to come out on top this weekend. Do you think that Max is going to continue being the freight train that he has been at the moment? Of course, with some of his aficionados over from Holland might be making the trip to support him. The old orange wall that Courtney ever so loves so much to see. Um, might be making an appearance in this race or will Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes respond? It feels like they have to sooner rather than later. Could it be this weekend? We'll have to wait and see. But until then, guys, if you haven't already, please consider liking the video and subscribing to the channel if you haven't already help us get to 400 subscribers and beyond we want to keep going and going and going hopefully to 1000 at some point maybe this year or next year but if you're following us on other platforms thank you so much for tuning into the podcast and until next time stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care see you soon
1: Podcast Network.